Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about and give you an abbreviated sample of a teaching we have in a program at the church called Internship. And by the way, there's Pastor Sherry right there. And I, listen, I, I was praying the other, and I thought about Pastor Sherry. You're here. I'm here because of Pastor Sherry and Pastor Bob. There's not a time I meet Sherry that she doesn't say, is there anything I can do for you? She's a real servant, but not just to people in the church. She's probably bothered more people living out on the street. I mean, excuse me, helped more people living out on the street. But she prays for them, and if they won't listen to her prayer, she'll get her dog to bite them. And so, uh, no, I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, Pastor Sherry, we do love you. We sincerely love you. You mean so much to everybody. And then... Pastor, I forgot to say Pastor John and, and Jenny. You know, I can understand Jenny not being here, but I do not understand John not being here. You know, this is crazy, you know. Back in my day, <laughs> maternity leave was for the woman. I, I'm getting in trouble again? Okay, okay, I, I'm gonna get, forget it. I was gonna tell you what they used to do in China, but I won't do that right now. Okay, it's an abbreviated sample of a teaching we have in internship and in our discipleship, which you're invited to on Tuesday night. We have great discipleship time. It's here at the church. The message today is about the expectation and necessity of commitment in our decision to follow Jesus and his word. Listen, we need commitment today more than ever before. Without commitment, our conversion is merely words. Our Christianity is a sham, and we are not, listen to me, we are not following the Jesus of the Bible. Commitment is necessary and required. A young man was very excited because he learned that he had just won a ticket to the Super Bowl. However, he lost some of that excitement when he actually showed up at the stadium and found out that his seat was all the way in the back and he could hardly see the field. So he wasn't satisfied with that. He said, I'm gonna look around and see if there's a vacant seat anywhere. And so he walked around and all of a sudden, he spied a seat that was in the front row, right on the field and it was empty. And he walked down the aisle to that seat and he saw a man sitting next to that seat, and he said, excuse me, sir, is that seat taken? And the gentleman said, no, it's not. And the young man said, how can that be? How can someone pass up a seat like that? And the older gentleman responded, that's my wife's seat. We've been to every Super Bowl together since we were married but she has passed away. Oh, how sad, the young man said. I'm sorry to hear that, but couldn't you have brought a friend or a relative with you? And the older man said, no, they're all at the funeral. (laughs) 
That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a picture of true commitment. Not proper commitment, but true commitment. <laughs> he was committed to the wrong thing, but he was certainly committed. David talks about commitment. David is one of the writers in the Bible. Much of the Psalms is attributed to David's writings. And David in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, which is the longest book in the Bible, writes this, Psalms 37, five, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. But first, commit your ways to the Lord. Certainly we are living in troubled times, aren't we? Commitment is needed. Our world is changing, and it seems like it'll never be the same again. People are abandoning the faith because their foundations have become faulty or weak at best. Commitment is required. And I will say this, that unless your commitment is 100%, unless it's solid, you too can leave the faith. Because there is so many that are against the scripture and Jesus himself. And it almost sounds proper, and if you wanna join the crowd, you have to be like them. Only commitment will stand. And I think a, a, a really beautiful picture, and when I felt that God spoke to me to share this message, and then it was so wonderfully illustrated by the people in Ukraine. That's commitment, my friends. And that commitment that's shown to us all over the world has stirred people everywhere. People have prayed, people have helped, people have wondered what they could do because they have seen people committed unto death. That's a real commitment. I think it's vital and extremely necessary to commit or recommit our loyalty and allegiance to Christ and his word. So this morning, perhaps you can think about your commitment to Jesus and you can Renew your vow of commitment or commit totally to him. I learned this from a young man that was a real example in my life at a young age. And so every New Year's Eve at 12 o'clock, I leave whatever I'm doing if I'm up now at that time. Now I do it on the New York time, by the way. <laughs> it's still New Year's, but it's New York time. I may be doing it on China time or something else pretty soon. <clears throat> but um, I, do, I do leave what I'm doing. Find a place, a secluded place, just Jesus and me, and recommit the next year to him. Because I think it's important to recommit to him. The Bible talks about commitment in this way. It says that commitment... Uh, is to put into the hands or the power of another, to hang on to, to be all in, to thrust yourself upon someone or something. A definition of commitment is the quality of being dedicated to a task, a purpose, or a person. You know you could be committed this morning, but it might be to a task. 
or it might be to a purpose. But we as Christians should be committed to a person. You know, people will join a gym. Have you ever joined, anybody in here ever joined a gym? Jerry's already laughing because I know why too. People join a gym, I don't know what for. The membership card they get, the status of being part of the gym, because they never work out. And the, the irony of the thing is, they blame the gym. And then they go and join a new gym and still do not work out. And they say, I don't understand that. I have joined that gym or this gym, and it doesn't work. Uh, others of you say, I'm going to skip the gym, but I found this diet. I subscribed to a diet, but they'd never adhere to it. And they said, guess what? The diet doesn't work. But there's plenty of them out there, so they try new ones. But they still don't do what they're supposed to do. You know the sad thing about all that? The people go to church. And they never follow Jesus. And then they say it doesn't work. God help us to stand before Jesus one day and say you didn't work. Think about it, folks. Billy Sunday said Christianity means a lot more than church membership. It seems there is much talk, but little or no walk. Commitment is needed. So what I want to do for a just next few moments with you folks is go to the book of Ruth because in that book is a true example or an example of true commitment. And wouldn't it be a woman that shows true commitment? Yes? I think she is one of the greatest heroes in the Bible. Ruth is certainly one of my heroes. Ruth's story has been posted for all to see. And that's amazing in that she wasn't one of God's chosen people to start with. Ruth's story is a picture of salvation. Everybody say salvation. So if you really want to know what salvation is about, you have to study the picture, the story of Ruth. It's a picture of salvation and what a true follower's journey is supposed to be like. Let me give you a little review of the story. <clears throat> it only has four chapters in the story, but are they packed full? And you could preach sermon after sermon after sermon out of the book of Ruth. Ruth is a story. It starts out in the land of Bethlehem of Judah. And the land is going through a famine. And so there's a family of four. A father, a mother, two sons. They're going through this famine. The father's Elimelech. The mother is Naomi. The son... Is Mach Machlon. And the other son is Kilion. And they're going through this, this famine, and the father says, We are going to move because we're not going to make it here. And so they move out of the land of Bethlehem of Judah, and they move to Moab, and they settle there. And they're not there too long when Elimelech the father passes away. Well, that's a tragic blow to Naomi. Soon after that, the two sons 
find two Moabite women and they marry them. Things are going along all right for a while and then the two sons pass away. We don't know how that happened. The Bible doesn't tell us. We do know they died. And now Ruth is left with two daughters-in-law. Naomi, uh, Ruth and Orpah. A sad time for, for Naomi. Naomi changes her name. Mentally, she changes her name. I'm not Naomi anymore. I am bitter because bitter waters have come my way. So she's in a sad state of affairs. No husband, no sons. They're gone. However, Naomi hears that the famine in Bethlehem is over, so she decides to go back home because she has nothing in Moab. As she decides to go, her two daughters-in-law decide they're going to go with her. And they tell her, we're going to go with you. And she says to them, no, no, you can't go with me. I have nothing to offer you. Go back to your home. Go back to your family. And the Bible, the story of Ruth, it says they wept. And so they continued to walk with her. And again, this is the second time, she says, no, you go home. Go back to your family. Go back to your land. Go back to your gods. I have nothing to offer you. And I want to pick up that story in Ruth 1, chapter 1, verse 14 or 15. It's going to come on the screen. And they raised their voices and wept again. So this is the second time they've cried. And Orba kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then Naomi said, Behold, your sister-in-law, Orpa, has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And I looked at that, and I've never noticed this. I've heard this story so many times, but I never noticed that Orpa kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpa kissed her mother-in-law and then said goodbye and left. When things got tough, she went back home. But Ruth, on the other hand, clung to her mother-in-law. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere unless I'm going with you. You know, I was reminded when I read this of another kiss in the Bible where our master had called out 12 to be with him, special people to be with him. He trained them. They were able to walk with him and talk with him and eat with him and sleep with him, be with him. How would you like to do that? Be with Jesus for three years. I mean... Pastor John is a good preacher, but I, he's not here, so I, I'd rather be with Jesus for three years. John would be second, but Jesus would be first, wouldn't it? Anybody say that? Okay, John, they're afraid to commit to that. 
be with Jesus for three years. Yet after three years, when times got hard, when times got tough, when all that Jesus was saying was coming true, but not the way one of them wanted it to come true, that one, after three years of being with the kindest, most loving, most compassionate, most intelligent, most wise, being in all the universe, walked up to him and kissed him and betrayed him and said goodbye and walked away. I mean, I think we need to look at our commitment. A kiss is not enough, is it? Let me give you five commitment characteristics displayed by Ruth. Number one, commitment involves dying to all our rights. Commitment involves dying to all of our rights. Ruth gave up her rights. In Ruth chapter one, verse 16 to 18, this is what it says. But Ruth said to Naomi, do not plead with me with me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you sleep, I will sleep. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and worse, if anything, but death separates me from you. My friends, that, that is the confession of a person coming to Christ. Let's not fool ourselves. It's not simply a kiss. It is a confession of faith. It's a confession of commitment to the king of the universe. And does he deserve commitment or not, my friends? I'd like you to read that with me because it should be your prayer. So, Let's read it. But Ruth said, and let me read the first book, do not plead with me to leave you or turn back from what? Following you. For where you go, and where you sleep, your people, and your God, where you die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and worse, if anything but death separates me from you. That's the prayer of commitment. In verse 18, it goes on to say, when Naomi saw this attitude of commitment from Ruth, that she was determined, or that word also means committed, to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. Excuse me. She stopped speaking to her about it. I think when you show 100% commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll stop speaking to you about it. And he'll start speaking to you about other things. Let's give him that opportunity. Coming to Christ is to leave all. Families, friends, way of living. We had a young lady come uh, talk to me. She said, I want to come to this, to internship, and I've wanted to come for years, but I have never come. And I said, why is that? She said, well, let me tell you the story. She said, I have two children. 
My children mean more to me than anything in the whole world. I was determined that they would be my number one, number one priority from the time they were born. Some, we have some young parents in here. Listen to me carefully. These two would be my party, and they have been all my life. And if I come to internship, I would have to sacrifice that commitment of being first place in my life to my kids. What do you think? Wow, you want to walk into a buzzsaw, just answer that question. <laughs> A mother hen and her chicks? Come on, man. But you know what? You say what God says. And I said to her, what have I got to lose? You come into internship, and a few weeks of being in internship, those kids will not be the number one priority in your life. And she looked at me and said, okay. Goodbye. She signed up for internship. And she came into internship. And it was about four or five weeks or six weeks into internship. She raised her hand and said, I want to say something to the whole class. Talk. She said, and she told the story, how her kids were her number one priority in her life. But she said, no longer are they number one priority in my life. Jesus has become the number one priority in my life. I am committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. My kids have to take second place. I want to tell you something, folks. Do you think that her kids meant any less to her? Do you think she loved them any less? No, she loved them more, but she got her priorities straight. She gave up a right you must abandon all your rights when you come to Christ. Another way of saying it, this is a more mild way, okay? This will settle with you easier. Put your complete trust in Christ. Oh yeah, I can say that. I can quote that scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I quote that all the time, I gotta hang it in the bathroom. I don't know why it's in the bathroom, but you gotta hang in there. You know? Trust the Lord, but we don't trust. We don't commit. You must abandon all your life, all your rights when you come to Christ. One of the major problems today is we've been taught that we're entitled and we have all these rights. That's damning. We need to die to all these rights. When you come to Christ, he asks you to abandon or give up all your rights and entitlements. Giving your rights is expected when you commit to another. Yes? You, you got to get married. You don't say to the lovely bride-to-be, you're going to be my bride. You're going to be my one and only. Well, wait a minute. Not my one and only. You're not. not you're going to be my one of my one and not my only, you know, because I've got, I got you, know, look, I've made some relationships. You got, they're my, you don't do that. 
You're going to marry that woman. You're going to give up all your rights, all your past. This is her. This is him. Give up all my rights. Billy Graham says, when we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important person in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal to live for Jesus. Yeah. There are commitments. I, I, yeah. Yeah. To Jesus. This side believes that. I don't know what this side doesn't believe that. Thank you, this side. <laughs> there are other commitments in different areas. Of course, families, marriage. Bible tells us to be committed to these things. Children, friends, church, neighbors, employers, employees, etc. But our chief commitment is to God himself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. This is the first and great commandment. It exceeds all others. Had a girl come into a discipleship class, not class, meetings that we're doing. Lovely girl. This is when we first started our discipleship. She came in, Christian girl, goes to, went to church, always told us about her church and told us about her work in the church. And we were really excited to have her because we don't always get that kind of person. So she's there for a few months and one day she says, can I speak to you, Tony, and privately? Privately? I said, sure. So she comes up to me and she says, Tony, I need, to, I need to ask you something. I, what is it? She said, I want to be baptized. I said, you want to be baptized? You, you've been in church all your life. You've taught the children's program. In fact, you even headed up the children's program. You work with the women's Bible study. You teach in the church. You do seminars. You do all this stuff in the church. Have you never been baptized? She said, oh, oh yeah, I was baptized. I said, well, maybe I didn't hear you. What, what, what is your request? I want to be baptized. Well, why do you want to be baptized if you were baptized? She said, I want to be baptized again because when I was baptized the first time, I didn't die. I went down as me and I came up as me. Woo! Come on, folks. I says, I'll baptize you. And I'm not saying you all come to Pastor John or Pastor Chris and say, we, we have to add baptismals if you'll say this, you know. Oh, we're going to get baptized again, you know. But I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but you don't have to. I baptized her. She went down. When she came up, her hands were lifted. Her voice was singing. She was shouting. Her eyes were on fire. What's happened to you? I died. I died. It's no longer about me, Tony. He now lives in me. It's not me. The old me just died. I'm new in Christ. I will tell you this, folks. A kiss is not enough. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred. Uh, there's a tremendous story, you know. He didn't have to be martyred. His friends helped him to escape Germany. But he said, I can't do that. God's called me. Even though he had come to New York, he went back to Germany. And he was martyred. But here's what he says. When, a Christ call, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Timothy Keller says, if God is not at the center of your life, something else is. Well, I, I've got to hurry on. i got four other points. Let's see how quickly I can get through them, okay? I'd like to spend a lot of time on them, but we don't have to. 
Number two, commitment involves obedience to Jesus. Ruth was obedient. In Ruth 3, 5, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, it says, and she said to her, to her mother-in-law, to Naomi, all that you say to me, I will do. Believe me, folks, as a follower of Jesus, that needs to be your prayer to Jesus. All that you tell me to do, I will do. Obedience is a natural, a natural expression of your commitment. Jesus says himself, if you love me, keep my commandments. David was committed. He obeyed. Another way of saying he was committed was to say he had a heart after God. A lot of us want a heart after God, but we don't want to obey. But in Acts, it tells us, it defines what it is to have a heart after God. And here's what it says about David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. This is the Lord speaking. Who will do all my will? That's a man or a woman after God's heart. A kiss is not enough. Number three, commitment involves being a person of character. Ruth was a person of character. This is what I love about it. I wrote, I wrote a whole book about it. I haven't put it out yet. Uh, it's a book for, for kids. And it was the first in a series. Why? Because in Ruth 3.11, this is what it says about Ruth. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. This is Boaz, uh, one of her relatives who soon became uh, her husband. Not her relatives, but her, Naomi's relatives. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Wouldn't you like to have that tagline on your tombstone? All of the people of my community knew that I was a person of character. All my family knew I was a person of noble character. All my friends knew, all my relatives knew, all my community. Come on, that was Ruth. A life of character is a natural result of commitment. Become like Jesus. Let your light shine. Don't hide it. It's exciting to see our character developed and becoming more like Jesus, isn't it? Doesn't the Lord give us time to make our character like his? Aren't there situations in our life that expose our character as it is? I think God invented freeways and cars to expose our character. That's one of the best ways to find out about our character. And if you really want to find out about your character, it's when you're driving alone and your wife or your family's not there to be startled because you've learned to behave around them. But your character, like Moody said, D.L. Moody said, your character is what you are in the dark when there's no one around. Doesn't family opportunity give you a, an exposure to your character? I talk to people about their holidays. They go, oh, Christmas. I don't even look forward to it when my whole family comes over. We argue and we fuss. and That's when your character should shine for Jesus. Number four, character involves service. Ruth lived a life of service. Ruth 2, chapter 2, verse 2 says, Please let me go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain, following one in whose eyes I may find favor. She told her mother-in-law, I am going to serve you no matter the cost. 
Service is a natural outflow of commitment. Here's the problem. We want to be served. He, on the other hand, came to serve. I'll say it again. We want to be served. He came to serve. Listen, it's not an obligation to serve when you follow Christ. It's a choice you make. I want to be like him. So I want to serve to build, help build his kingdom. Our commitment is simple. For me to live as Christ, Paul said. Number five, commitment involves producing fruit. Ruth produced fruit. Listen to this portion of scripture here. May the Lord, this is, uh, I'm sorry, do you have it on the screen? It's Ruth 4, 11 and 12, and then verse 17. May the Lord make the woman who is coming, these are ladies talking to Naomi. Make the Lord make, may the Lord make the woman. They're talking about Naomi. Make, may the Lord make Naomi, who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah. Great story there. Both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah. And become famous in Bethlehem. Then it goes on in verse 12 says, Moreover, moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And I stopped there. I was startled. How did this Hispanic family get into Israel is what I was trying to figure out. <laughs> we have Hispanic families all over the world. They even think Jesus is going to speak Spanish when they see it. Oh, yeah. See, they're just a... Perez, the house of Perez. And not only, I don't know if it was Hispanic, but it sounds Hispanic to me. They might have snuck into Israel and said, we want to be blessed by God. And they were. Because they bore to Judah through the descendants whom the Lord will give you by this young woman. I want to tell you how blessed they were. And verse 17 says, and the neighbor women gave the child, because Ruth had a child, she was fruitful, had a child, and, and gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. She was the great, great grandmother. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of who? David, King David. That doesn't even make sense. Ruth was a Moabite. It doesn't matter who you are. Once you give your life to Christ, you're his daughter, you're his son. And God will bless you. And God blessed her. She became the great, how would you like to be the great grandmother of David? Well, the interesting thing is the Perez family were in that lineage, so they were also blessed. Producing fruit is a natural outgrowth of commitment. And I thought this, Producing fruit is natural when you're grafted into the branch. He is the branch. When you commit 100%, you're grafted into the branch and your life comes, the juices come from the branch. And what kind of fruit is that going to be? That's going to be thrilling. Quickly, in conclusion, some things I should commit to. Number one, commit to abandoning your rights daily. You know why? Because those rights keep coming back. You know? Paul said, I die daily. 
Why? You know, the Bible says we're living sacrifice. Isn't that what it says? We're living sacrifice? The only problem with a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice can crawl off the altar. You know what I'm saying? When the lamb was dead, it did. It didn't go anywhere. But we're living sacrifice. So it can crawl off the altar. So we need to abandon our rights daily. Number two, commit to obey all of God's will, just like David. Number three, commit to being a person of godly character. Number four, commit to serving Christ all of your life. Number five, commit to producing fruit like Jesus everywhere you go. Amen? So, the famous story of a pig and a chicken. <laughs> Jerry. I want to take Jerry with me everywhere I preach. You know what? Just, you just sit right in the front row, Jerry, and I'm a preach good. So, there's a pig and a chicken are walking down the road. You know why Jerry's laughing? Because he can see that in his mind right now. The chicken says, hey, pig. I was thinking we should open up a restaurant. The pig replies, hmm, maybe so. What would we call it? The chicken responds, how about chick and piggy's ham and eggery? The pig thinks for a moment and says, no thanks. I'd be committed. You'd only be involved. You just give a kiss, I'd have to give all. Commitment. Partial commitment, my friends, is not an option. Partial Christianity is not an option. Fence sitters need not inquire. Middle of the roaders are not kingdom walkers. Coming to a service on Sunday and giving him a kiss and saying, I'll see you next week, is not enough. It's a betrayal. Paul said we are citizens of heaven. Modern day, no cost, no cross, no commitment. Jesus' words, all cost, all cross, all commitment. Martin Luther says, I have held many things in my hands and, and many of us have things that we hold in our hands. But Martin Luther says, I've held many things in my hands, but I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, those things I still possess. It's a new way of living, folks. It's a paradigm shift to follow Jesus Christ. Pandata Rimabai, a, a social reformer, a Christian social reformer, out of India says this, a life totally committed to God has nothing to fear, nothing to lose, nothing to regret. What a woman, huh? A total life committed to God has nothing to fear, nothing to lose, nothing to regret. And I say commitment is more than a kiss. It is thrusting yourself upon the Lord and clinging to him until the day you see him face-to-face. -face. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, 
visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.